The Start On Demand. On demand. Long lineups to get a COVID-19 test. Have you gone for a test? And if so, how long did you wait? We'll learn about rapid COVID tests and what they mean. We'll speak to our psychologist friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, about how this all feels like one big social experiment and how to make sure that our kids, and quite frankly, all of us, are doing okay. We'll speak to Big Daddy Taz and how difficult the pandemic has been for performers and the music you like that surprises people. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, October 1st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Kayla just mentioned that Harvest Moon. And I'm looking outside right now, actually, from the 30th floor uh, to the west, and the, the full moon is quite spectacular. Can you see Ooh, it from your vantage point? I cannot, but I'm getting up. Okay, so Greg is uh, he's facing the window. The window oh. is to my back. Oh, did you just hear the audible? Oh, that is spectacular. <laughs> Wait a minute. Doesn't Greg's okay. desk face the window? It does, but from where he's sitting... Like, because I have to turn to my right, so mm-hmm. it would be to his left, uh, and it's just out of uh, view for him. So he had to get up and come and walk around the studio to have a look. Have you been up upstairs from your, your basement dungeon yet, Guys, Lauren, to come on, take you a know pee? the answer to this. Have I gone for a morning walk, checked out and smelled the fresh air, test, saw what the weather's going to be today? It's a no to all of those. <laughs> those are gallows, you know. You are allowed to leave. I just don't like to make, I, I try to keep my noise level down. So I make my cup of coffee, which by the way, I have this morning. Excellent. And I head downstairs and I try to be as quiet as possible because the kids have ears like you've never imagined. They can hear, they can particularly hear a door open. So that would wake them up. They can hear if a bag of chips opens. That's weird, <laughs> but they can. They come running. But and they can so, never hear you when you call. That's right. When you call them to come that's for right. supper or to it, do a chore, turn off the game or come upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's not heard. But I could be in like hiding in a room downstairs and slowly open a bag, and all of a sudden, mom, who has chips? Does somebody have chips? <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, it's, it's impressive actually. <laughs> they always want the gum too. We'll be yes. in the car. The four of us will be in the car, and Jackie will 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 quietly pop a piece of gum and then she'll look at me she'll give me the look like do you want one and i'll give the nod and then she'll try and slide it to me very 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 deceivingly you know and uh i'll get the gum and then the two heads will meet in the middle of the of the seat and they'll go is that gum yeah it's gum can we have some gum Jeez, mission foiled because it, one piece of gum inevitably turns into four <laughs> and then you wonder why you never have any gum. It's the same if you pop a can of pop. Like they could be in the basement and all of a sudden you hear this, you just quietly open your Diet Coke and they yell up, can I have some Coke? I'm like, thirsty. How did, you, how did you hear that? Where are you even? <laughs> I'm picturing, I can't remember which cartoon it is. Uh, I, I seem to remember, it's like birds popping up. They hear some food and then oh this is gonna bug me now and I, well, maybe a listener 
uh, remembers. It's a but cartoon, you said? I'm pretty sure it's a cartoon movie, and uh, there's I think it involves food, and these birds just pop up. I don't, can't remember if they're seagulls, but I, I just they, they just say, mine, mine, or something like that. Does that ring any bells? It does ring a bell. Because that's what I'm picturing right now with you guys talking about your kids. Well, how do the seagulls, you go to the beach... And, ah, you know, and they find some food Nemo. and it's one and then it's three and then it's nine and then it's 27 seagulls. They have the best Internet connections on the planet, apparently. Like they just broadcast. We found food on East Beach. Get your feathers down here. I actually have a story about that. But you say it's Finding Nemo, Loren? Yes. Yeah, sorry. I just uh, Googled it and then a listener texted Brad. Or sorry, Brad, Eve, and Rob all weighed in telling us it's finding Nemo. Nemo. Okay. We'll so, find that. Well, I'll have to dig up that scene. Thank you. I knew somebody would know. That's, all you got to do is say, I can't remember. Do you know? And sure enough, the listeners Our radio know. family to but the rescue. <clears throat> when I was in uh, Florida, uh, we stayed at uh, Cocoa Beach. This was when I was 13. Uh, when Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain, was big on the radio at the time. And uh, we were on the beach, and, and I know you're not supposed to feed uh, birds bread. Didn't know that at the time. We had bread with us. And we just went out to the beach, and there was one seagull on the beach, so we threw it a piece of bread. And within, honestly, two minutes, there were a hundred of them all hovering above us. It actually felt something very Hitchcocky, and it was, mm-hmm. it was cool, but also very scary because they were dive-bombing each other because we were throwing the bread into the air and they were attacking each other to get this food. And we kind of thought, we should actually probably get out of here because they're going to turn on us in a second. So you're right, Greg. We don't know where they came from. They just uh, apparated out of thin air. They just seem to uh, know all about it. Oh, you found it. And it's seagulls. What is the context of this scene? <laughs> The storks? No, they're pelicans. They're up on the rock. I guess they found uh, some crabs. And, of course, the seagulls find out that they have crabs, and there's a dozen of them (laughs) claiming the crab. (laughs) That is wonderful. Great scene. Um, What else are we talking about today? I don't know. (laughs) Completely derailed here. It's true. I was actually thinking of last week. I opened up the freezer, like a deep freeze in the garage, and it makes that noise because some kids were playing outside, and I was offering freezeries, and I just kept handing them out, handing them out. And I turned. like I was on my ninth one, and I'm like, I don't know you. (laughs) Who are you? Where did you come from? He's like, yeah, you do. And he gave me his name, and I realized I did. But it was like the seagulls. I just kept, like, doiling them out, and it was an endless stream of children. So, yeah. Anyway, it it derailed us. Okay. Speaking of doling out food, we have food to dole out at 8.37. We have Manitoba Turkey Producers gift card, $25, and a 9.15. Of course, we're going to give away our Santa Lucia pizza based on a conversation. We're going to have at 6.45, and this is a follow-up to a chat we had yesterday just after 9 o'clock where we learned that John Cena... WWE superstar and now pretty big name actor. He's working his way up the ladder. He revealed he's a big fan of BTS, the K-pop group. And uh, that uh, was surprising to me, not just that he liked them, but how passionate he was about them and what they do for their fans and the whole BTS army thing. Uh, So we're going to have a chat about what music are are people surprised to learn you like? Like, oh, you like the... You like One Direction? I would have pegged you for Cannibal Corpse. I never, ever would have imagined that you had 
XYZ in your playlist. So uh, we're going to play that game, uh, having coffee, talking in about a half an hour's time. Uh, uh, Kevin, the garbage man. Yep. He says, I see seagulls every day. They are just rats with feathers. <laughs> well said, Kevin, the garbage man. Yeah, they are flying vermin. And they, no matter where there's food, you will find the seagulls. <laughs> The New question Supreme is, Justice, the radical question, left. Will you shut who is up, on, man. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This who is, is on your so list? Right. Gentlemen, is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, no, no, not going to give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on. Well, I think the name of this song is It's No Good by Depeche Mode. And you could say what happened at the debate was no good. And that could be the last time you hear something like that, Loren, in a U.S. presidential debate. Yeah, and that's not because the candidates are bowing out. There were some questions yesterday, like, who's going to sign up for this round two if that's how this debate's going to go? But the candidates, it sounds like, for the most part, are in. What might be out is how these debates work. CBS has learned that the commission that oversees these debates will be altering the format for the final two debates. They say one of the changes under consideration is something many of our listeners actually suggested yesterday, and that involves the possibility of cutting off the microphones of President Trump or former Vice Vice President Joe Biden, if they break the rules. So these plans haven't been finalized, Greg, but we know Tuesday's night's debate was pretty much unwatchable or unlistenable or whatever you want to say, because there was the constant interruptions by Trump. There was mudslinging. There was a failure to answer questions. There was a debating with the moderator. And a lot of our listeners said, can't they just mute those mics? Yeah, so the Commission on Presidential Debates said that they were embarrassed about how things went down on Tuesday night. They are prepared to make some changes. And uh, the proposal to mute their mics is one thing. I don't know if that's going to work personally. Brett and I have talked about this just simply based on what happens in this room. If I mute my microphone because I have to sneeze or cough, there is still some bleed of that sound onto Brett's microphone. Now, we're, what, about eight, nine, ten feet apart here, Brett. Yep. And so that's one thing. I would suspect that in a very large room, you know how acoustics work. The chances that you're still not going to hear a boisterous Donald Trump as the example talking over or trying to talk over Joe Biden and that not bleeding into Joe Biden's microphone, ah, they'd have to test that, I think. Uh, Brett, I think the only way they can really do this if they want to do it is <laughs> to have them in isolation booths. Yeah, like w w yeah, that's right. Put them in a separate booth. And so one, a couple of good things come out of that. One, if they put them in booths, then they can just kill the mic, <clears throat> can't hear anything that comes out of their face. Two, if they really wanted to have fun with it, they could make it like a game show where there's like lights coming down. Yes. And uh, and if they, you know, maybe they could add like a tugboat sound or whatever. Like if they, when they turn off the mic. And it's, yeah. <laughs> and uh, or what, or maybe they could put them in like dunk tanks or something. Right. What about if you get three warnings? Yeah. And on the third time you interrupt Loren, you get slimed. Yeah, I was going to say this is leading up to a can't-do-this-on-television moment yes. where you slime the folks. But I, I think, I don't know, whatever they do, they have to try something because 
as much as Tuesdays was so bad, it's not the first time we've woken up after a debate and said, what the heck was that, right? right. So it's in Canada, we've had as many as five people on the stage before. There's all sorts of interruptions in the federal debate last year. I know provincially it's been hard to control sometimes. So it's this is not just America's problem as much as we like to look south and say, oh, was that a stinker? So I'm curious to see what they do. They have to try something. Try it. And if that doesn't work, we move on. His name is John C. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we learned yesterday, we told you about just after 9 o'clock, John Cena, WWE superstar. He's now appeared in many movies. Super funny guy. Super likable guy. He was on Jimmy Fallon this week. And we learned that he likes BTS, the K-pop supergroup. Not only does he like them, but he apparently loves them. Here's just a quick chunk of that. I love what this band has done because uh, they're this massively popular thing and they've been so globally popular for so long. And I was like, okay, I should probably know about this. So when I started to look at BTS and listen to their music, I was originally drawn because like there are rappers in that crew and they use on some of their intro tracks and like bookend tracks, they use like sick ass boom bap beats and they actually rap. So like, yeah, I, was, I kind of like this, this is great. Yeah. So I got interested in the music and then I got interested in what the music stood for. And they advocate self-love, they advocate don't be afraid of failure, uh, they advocate that you are enough. They kind of are trying to shatter all the um, stereotypical difficulties and uncomfortable situations that we go through. And they're catering to an audience that is living that, young people. So learning that John Cena, big strong man, you talk about stereotyping somebody, um, this inspired a bit of a question here. Well, and I think uh, we do it to ourselves. We put ourselves in a little bit of a box sometimes when it comes to our musical tastes. I know I do. <laughs> I'm like with food. I know what I like and I like what I know. And I was just browsing my Apple playlist, the most 25 played songs on my iPhone. 18 of them are Foo Fighters songs. <laughs> but I also have Took, Brian Adams, Age of Electric, Sammy Hagar, uh, Toronto, Lee Aaron, Kick Axe on the list of most played artists. Toronto. Uh, Toronto. I love Canadian rock and roll. Wow. And so uh, this is this got me thinking, what song or what artist would people be most surprised to learn that you like, that are that is a favorite of yours, if you sat down and had a conversation with them about, you're not going to believe this, but I actually like, we found out yesterday, Jeff Forche loves ABBA. And Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore is here, but why don't we start with you, GMAC, because I'm curious to know what you've got cooked up here. Well, um, or can, should, I, should I just play it? Yeah, you go. Do you know what it is, Mac McNabb? I don't know who this is for sure. I don't. It's Linda Ronstadt. That's what I was and this goes back to night. This particular version of the song is from 1976, but I could listen to her sing, Linda Ronstadt sing the phone book, as they say. <laughs> her voice gives me chills. And anytime I put one of her songs on, I end up playing a dozen of her songs and some of them on repeat. And I, I don't know. I don't think you look at me and think, there's a big Linda Ronstadt fan. <laughs> I never would have pegged you for that, especially with all the Foo Fighter stuff that you like. Good choice, though. Yeah, she is a classic. What about you, Loren McNabb? 
Okay, so I have all sorts of things on my playlist. I mean, everything from U2 to Johnny Cash to Blue Rodeo, Tragically Hip. I've got Taylor Swift. I have the Jonas Brothers. Like, I like all sorts of things. But I was out for a walk the other day and was playing a tune that I had just put on my iPhone. And I was kind of my fist pumping in the air as I walked up the driveway. And the kids were like, you know, I was, I was basically dancing. They're like, what are you listening to? And so I played them this. Great question. This is the 1812 Overture by Tchaikovsky, and every once in a while, it's got cannons, it's got church bells, it's got a heck of an orchestra, and every once in a while, when I need to be pumped up, I will hit that. And it's been like that since I was in high school. Just a random couple classical tunes, not classics, classical. Yeah. Good and old 1812, right on. Good for you. Yeah, that's I mean, so weird. That's a shot of adrenaline right there, is what that is. So <laughs> Cannons. I, cannon to the left of them. <laughs> cannon to the right of them. Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, uh, I'm like GMAC. I, I do like my Canadian band, so... Everybody know who this is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little April wine. A little April wine. And I am going to date myself before Jeff Braun swoops in and uh, comes up with the another calendar only went up to... comment. Yeah. <laughs> the calendar only went up to April back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miles Goodwin and the boys. Oh, good pull. Good, but, yeah. You, you talk about Linda Ronstadt uh, and being able to play her music all day. I wore out the eight track version of that April Wine album in my 1963 Pontiac Strato Chief. Beauty. <laughs> what about you, Jeff Braun? Uh, well, first of all, I want to give an honorable mention to that Cardi B song, WAP. That's some good, wholesome family <laughs> fun right there. <laughs> Brought on my, a roll today. My friends and I were listening to it on the weekend, and our our, our jaws were dropped. But we were also like, "This is actually a pretty catchy song." So uh, that was weird. Um, I'm I'm like Greg. I'm a hard rock guy. So the one that catches people off guard now and then is that uh, um, my friends and I are all huge fans of the gentle giant of country music, Mr. Don Williams. I have drifted up across the mountain. I have stumbled. Nice. Party hits 1 o'clock in the morning, and the Don Williams goes on to get everyone to just calm down for a couple of hours. <laughs> love it. Ease Absolutely into bed. love it. It's beautiful. Uh, Forte, we mentioned ABBA yesterday, but you got anything else in the chamber? I sure do. What is this? This is uh, Benny Goodman. Sing, sing, sing. This is great. Yeah, I know. I love the jazziness. Uh, you know, it's fun. You know, I put this on. You do some dishes. You get right into those dishes. Do you do a little jive dance? Do you have a phonograph your in your house? A no. phonograph. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have a CD player. Have you seen the uh, commercial that's playing on the air right now, though? Um, it, it, it's about good health. There's a grandfather dancing with his granddaughter to yes. this song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
That's a great one. Good pick, Jeff Forte. So let us know at 204-780-6868 the music you like that catches people off guard. Brett, we didn't hear yours. All right, fine. I'll just quickly play. I've got three queued up here, but I'll just quickly play this. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I oh, boy band. love yeah. bands. boy bands. I love the Backstreet Boys. I love uh, One Direction. Hang on a second here. And uh, I, I even have this queued up here. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, the BS. BS. Yeah. I For love, BS. I love, love BS. I love the PSB, the 1D, Britney Spears. Yeah, I love pop music. And I actually went to a boy band cover band concert at Club <laughs> Regent. It was amazing. It was so good. Oh. We just wanted to continue the conversation on testing for COVID-19 because as we've learned through Global News, Marnie Blunt filed a report that we shared with you earlier. The lineups are huge. It's taking hours for people to get tests and sometimes they can't even uh, get in. They end up getting turned away. And in, in our next hour, in our next segment at 8.07, we're going to talk about rapid tests and what they mean. But we've gotten a lot of feedback from you at 204-780-6868, Greg. Yeah, let me reread Jason's text here that we didn't get through a little while ago. Morning, guys. The new tests do eliminate the weight when people can run them at home. For some reason, we're talking about the rapid uh, uh, saliva tests that are, are, are on their way. For some reason, that won't be the case with these initial ones, which defeats the fundamental purpose, in my opinion. Hopefully, we'll get to the rapid home use version sooner than later. Regarding wait times, this is insane. South Korea, for Pete's sake, back in January, were able to test anyone and everyone who needed a test. And again in January, could return uh, for results in a half hour. Manitoba had more than six additional months worth of knowledge and time in order to prepare and get up to speed. And I think that's where some of the frustration lies, Loren, is the fact that we did have Lots of time to prepare for what had to be this inevitable, if we want to call it, second wave. Absolutely. And, and there's a, a lot of things that are going on here. And, and I understand there's a lot of balls in the air. So it's not about pointing fingers per se, but it is about asking the question, did we not see this coming? We've been asking people to get tested if they're experiencing symptoms. And we've sent our kids back to school, which guess what happens when that happens? As soon as kids are within three feet of another kid, within days, someone's coming home sick. And so now we're asking people to do the right thing if they're showing any of those symptoms, particularly if there's that fever, if there's a cough, if there's a sore throat, you've been asked to go get tested. So if people want to be tested, they, sh they should be able to get that done quickly. And they need to get that done quickly because on the other part of the equation, you don't want people going around who are symptomatic spreading that, uh, even asymptomatic, right? You, you want to make sure people are staying home and have gone for that test if they need to. But you also want to keep the economy going. So if people have to stay home for one, two, three, five days yes. waiting for results, then the other half of the equation isn't going to work. We talked about people needing to stay home if they're sick and the absenteeism being an issue. That's great. People should be doing that. And that's wonderful to hear that, that maybe the long lineups are because so many Manitobans are saying, I don't want to be the one that causes a problem in my workplace, in my school, uh, or elsewhere. So that's fantastic. But then, if we want to get them to work and keep the kids in school, we have to do better than this.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as with all of our shows on this radio station, we have a number of regular guests, some we speak to weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. This one used to be monthly, but it's been a while since we've spoken to our old pal, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba. Raymond, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, uh, Loren, why don't you take it away from here? Oh, it's so great to hear your voice. I'm already feeling a little bit more relaxed, so I appreciate the time. And, and you know, as we said, we work hard on this show to talk as much as possible about our mental health and how better to take take better care of ourselves and others. And as we navigate this pandemic, many of us are starting to wonder about the long-term impacts, uh, Raymond. And, and I asked this because I was listening to a friend the other day talk about his concerns for his young kids. You know, they're going to the playground. They're under two years old. He wants to socialize them as much as possible. But here you are saying, don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't go too close to that yeah. kid. And so you're starting to wonder, are we putting them through this grand social experiment that might have long-term impacts? Should we be worried about that? It, it, the truth is that it will have an impact, it, and it is having an impact. Um, we are going to be seeing probably more anxiety in children. The, the good news is that, that we can kind of uh, I, we can kind of adjust our own behavior to help minimize the impact. And uh, there are things that we can do. And I, I think with young children, one of the most important things is that we we give them the language of of how to see life. We give them the language how to think about thinking. And I think it's very important to let them know that this is a temporary measure, right? Versus this is a, this is a something that they've always got to apply. We say, no, in this setting for this time, this is what we're going to do. And that, that's a really important thing that we need to teach our kids. But we also need to break the rules when we can. So there's a lot of times where we can break the rules. And so kids learn that the rule in place is not always going to be there. So there are safe places where children can sing at, you know, whether it's at home or places where they can feel comfortable with people and, and ha- engage in that contact. And so we need to break the rules whenever we can uh, in, in safe ways, that is. Raymond, I think I've mentioned it with you in the past, and if I have, I apologize. And, and if I haven't, here here's uh, one of the philosophies I've always had with my kids. When we go to the amusement parks, I'm not a huge fan of the scary rides, but I go on with them because, yeah. a, a, I feel better about them going on the ride. So should one in a billion happen and something go awry, I'm, I'm with them at least. But I'm very careful not to have that transference of my fear uh, of the rides end up as their fear, right? So how much of that is important right now that we, that we, we take a deep breath when we're, when we're guiding our kids and, and, and our concerns don't become theirs? It is critically important. Uh, children will learn by observing uh, a lot of behaviors, a lot of difficulties with mental health. I mean, they're not just temperamental. They are tied to what they learn and what they see from us. So if we've got a lot of anxiety about it, they're going to likely have a lot of anxiety about it. And so we have to keep that in mind as we, as, we, uh, as we work with our kids. So if we present them with a calm perspective of a very nonchalant approach, these are the rules, this is what we're going to apply. You know, it's difficult, but we're going to flex here, we're going to flex there. That makes all the difference in the world. So we have to be mindful of our our own difficulties and our own anxiety because our children are going to learn from us. The better we cope, the better they cope. 
Raymond, I think, too, another source of anxiety as this pandemic continues, um, you know, can pertain to masks. But, like, I think when this first started, everyone seemed to kind of want to band together. But now there's so much anger uh, surrounding masks and stuff. So even that's just kind of making me nervous, like, just to the point where if I go out and happen to pull my mask down uh, to blow my nose or to sneeze or something, I'm scared I'm going to be judged and lambasted for it. Yeah, and, and we see that, you know, anytime people say, well, we're going to get together, and then you hear them quickly add, with social distancing, right? Because there's a big fear, if, if you're not clarifying that you're engaging in those methods, that there's a lot of shame and judgment. And we have to be mindful that we have to get through this together as a society in a very healthy way. And judging people is not going to be the best way to manage that forward. Each of us has to be responsible for our own behaviors. There's a lot of things that might contribute to why people might or might not kind of engage in those behaviors. The best way that we can encourage people to engage in those healthy behaviors is through modeling, not through shaming. And unfortunately, we've moved to that point where we're shaming a lot of people into these things. What are some concrete creek steps we should, we should be taking then? Because as we move forward with this, you know, it is hope we keep using the term short term. You know, we hope to get through this and we don't know when yeah. that will be, but there will be some long term effects as a result. So as you, as you mentioned earlier, we will see more anxiety. In some ways, it's unavoidable. But to mitigate yeah. it, if I'm looking to my kids, you know, I can say, fine, watch another movie or have more screen time. But that's also not a long-term solution, right, for life. They, they have to right. have some normalcy. So what are yeah. some tips? Because there's a balance that needs to take place, too. Well, screen time was an okay suggestion when we were in lockdown. We were trying to manage. But, you know, we've gone back to some sense of normalcy. So now we have to adjust what those expectations are. And I think it's important that we get back into being creative about how we engage with each other and people. Uh, We can't move into the isolation. If we get into the isolation, I think we're all going to get hurt. We have to remember that we have to try to find ways to remain as social as possible. We're moving into a winter. Um, A lot of people struggle with seasonal affective disorder at this time. Many of us without that will notice our mood will go down. Most of us in the middle of winter will stay to ourselves We've got to think and be creative about how we engage with other people. I'd say our survival is going to be based with each other. And I think that goes back to trying not to shame people as well, too. So I think that's, that's tip number one. Tip number two, as I've said, is to make sure that we break the rules where we can. The, the rules are going to be very strict. We need to make sure that we don't falsely apply those rules to areas that don't need to, that we, where we don't need to. Take a look at the public health guidelines They'll be very specific about where we're supposed to wear masks and where we don't have to wear masks. Make sure that we flex the rules where we where we can, because we don't want to create this false or artificial sense of um, anxiety in places that we don't need to have them. So I, I'd say that's that's going to be critically important as well, too. I know we're running out um, of time. Oh, so go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Raymond. Finish up the thought. Yeah. One last tip. Um, try to find as much ways to have like physical activity as possible. And, and lastly, last but not least, really watch substances because they're going to they're going to expand any difficulties with mental health at this time. We'll have to ask you next time uh, we have you on and, and it won't be as long between visits. Uh, just this whole idea of all the changes. My kids now in high school, one boy is at school two days off, two days, and then the other is just in school in the morning. I, I need some tips from you on how to help, help them deal with all the extra time they have on their yeah. hands. Absolutely. We can talk soon.
Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology Manitoba joining us live on 680 CJOB. Raymond, always a pleasure, sir. Great to talk to you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time to name our winner at 204-780-6868 for the Santa Lucia Pizza. The songs, the music you like that surprises people. Jeff Forte, this is one of our runners-up. Who is this from? This is from Mark. And yeah. what is it? Oh, this is, <laughs> this is Jump, Jive, and Whale. Okay. Did Mark say what he usually listens to? No, he didn't, but he lists some songs that... Uh, he people are surprised that he listens to them, so this is one of them. Also, Big Bad Moon, Jesus Christ Pose, or the Bear Song. Right on. And uh, Greg, you found a text here from somebody who uh, likes some. Wow, I'm really surprised by this. Friends find it very odd. I like to listen to gospel music since I'm not even a Christian. I'm Buddhist. It's got a good beat, and you can clap your hands to it. I give it an 8.7. Wow. I love it. Yeah, gospel music is, uh, it's really hard not to put, have a smile on your face uh, when that music comes on. Hey. Very inspirational. When it's good music, good voices, as we were saying, right? You really like it. And I like this listener text who talks about how she loves well-done covers from the 70s. They say, I get a kick out of my granddaughters asking me to listen to new songs, and they don't believe me when I tell them it's actually a cover song from the 70s. The latest song was Sound of Silence by Disturbed, which is now on their playlist. And yes, that song came out in Trolls, the cartoon, so the kids will learn songs, and then they will often turn to me and say, how do you know this song? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And then I school them for a little bit, so that's fun too. That Disturbed cover is outstanding. But speaking of Trolls... Here comes our winning song. I have a feeling, I hope you know this song, Loretta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Trollolo song. We just we just picked this because the song rules. It's and this listener named Glenn says this obscure unintentional pop culture hit is my go-to when I need an earworm or to drive the wife crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a sinister aspect to this that uh, lent itself to uh, our line of thinking. This is from Edward Hill, a Soviet Russian baritone singer. This was recorded in 1976. There's an urban myth that he was going to come out and sing, and he was told, "No, these lyrics are." unacceptable but he still had to go out and sing so he just came out and just performed nonsense but that's apparently not true i've been meaning to do the full research on that i like that story better i just yeah. love listening to this i'll send you the video oh he's got a tremendous voice and actually google for their doodle one day they did a doodle on this anyway i'm getting way off track here not only a loyal listener to the start, he is also somebody almost all Winnipeggers have either heard of, seen perform, or quite frankly just know him personally. And simply put, he is our friend here at 680 CJOB. Big Daddy Taz has been an advocate for mental health for as long as I can remember. That puts him into a very special group of people who are trying uh, to help others who battle our brains when the day the day-to-day battle with life, whether it be addiction, suicide prevention, or specific mental health illness. Tazzy lends his talents and his heart to organizations helping others, Loren. And so when this pandemic began and live performances were canceled by the dozens for so many of our talented Winnipeggers, Taz found a way 
to make an impact in our community online. And yesterday, which is one of the main reasons we're bringing him on, he surpassed an impressive milestone in that quest to give back. Good morning, Taz. Oh, I didn't know you were talking about me at the beginning. I thought, oh, yeah. there's another guest first. This is awesome. <laughs> that's, uh, that's quite a way to start my day. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I, my ego's too big. I really can't talk to you people. Really. Well, go take, uh, you can ego's, take an... My ego's too big now. That's, uh, that's it. Take a nap after this. will lead to good dreams, all the compliments. But, <laughs> but before we get to this milestone, we did have you scheduled to join us today to discuss an event scheduled for October 17th. Can you tell us a bit about that first? Yeah, we were going to do a, a show at the uh, at the Pyramid Cabaret there and uh, bring some laughter, much needed laughter, you know, and a uh, mental health message to uh, to Winnipeg. And then, you know, I myself and, and, and Al Pitch from uh, Amazing Entertainment, we uh, sort of uh, had to call him and just say, you know what, given what's going on in the world and the numbers that are up in our area, in our community, I think it's better for us to postpone that and, and have it when uh, when the numbers are down, you know. Um, people that aren't social distancing and people that aren't wearing masks or whatever, you know, doing what they're doing to try to curb this thing, they, they don't realize the impact they're having on the uh, on the crowd based, uh, you know, on crowd based uh, jobs. Myself, entertainers, uh, food, food and, and bars and things like that. So, you know, maybe think before you think before you uh, act, maybe think past your hands would be lovely if you could do that. But it's not going to happen. So we'll do our best to do what we can. <laughs> So how difficult has this pandemic been then on performers like yourself, Taz? Well, it's I'm, I'm getting calls uh, for a while there, uh, multiple times a day from different acts, just saying, "Hey, what should we do? What are we can we do?" You know, I'm I'm depressed myself. Uh, we ended up having to sell our house and and things like that and downgrade quite uh, quite a bit because uh, it was just the most uh, prudent financial thing to do and. Uh, and just sort of restructure, right? If no crowds means no work for entertainers, and and um, you know, unlike a lot of entertainers, like comedy can't be done online uh, to uh, a live Facebook event. It has to be a Zoom event or something where you can interact. And uh, it's um, it's it's very hard. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that uh, comedians are not considered artists. So all the all the funding that the government puts through for artists and uh, the um, the grants that are for artists and stuff we don't we don't qualify for that because under the eyes of the government uh, we are not considered artists we're trying to we're trying to uh, you know change that myopic view but uh, it's 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 taken a long time uh, are you a corporation is there anything that you've been uh, looking into Taz that might uh, allow you to take advantage advantage of some of these government programs and that's just heartbreaking to to hear that you've had to so dramatically uh, alter your lifestyle I, you know you use the word prudent and sometimes those decisions are very difficult to make uh, just talk about what went into that decision and some of the other options you might be investigating uh, to, to help you income wise uh, if you are in fact doing that well, you know, there there was some. There is always relief out there for um, relief out there for for uh, corporations and things like that. The, the reason we decided to downgrade and uh, not even downgrade. I mean, we just moved to a different house and we moved back to a rental place. So I'm not we're not destitute or anything like that. I just want people to understand that the impact that this is having on entertainers in general. Um, it's it's a uh, it, it's a hard go. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know one entertainer that is has not posted or personally talked to me about what it felt like the day they realized that their whole year is done 
and uh, to have everything, you know, sort of fly off the shelves at, at, at one time. And uh, I realize that it can't always be my turn. So I understand that. And but it's the most. This is the most depressed that I've been in 15 years. And um, you know, one of the things that my son said to me, Dad, remember that this is happening to us, not because of us. So. It wasn't because I was blaming myself that we had to, that, you know, my business was failing and things like that. And, you know, people say, well, we're all in the same boat. Well, no, we're not all in the same boat. Some of us have, you know, yachts and other people have, you know, 12 people to a kayak and one person's just got a, a tub that they're bailing out. But we're all, we're all supposed to be paddling towards the same direction. And I think that's part of, part of what's going on in this world right now is that everybody's paddling in a different direction and they're pushing over other people. And uh, it's, um, you know, but, you know, the move has taught me a lot of things. I, I was living a very opulent lifestyle, and I, and I don't need that. I don't need, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm busy right now. I'm packing stuff I shouldn't have even had to pack, right, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, and right now I'm sitting on the only place that, uh, well, I'm sitting on a, a couple of crates because the only other place I can sit and talk here right now would be too echoey because of the shower. <laughs> yeah, you know, your son made a good point, I think, to you. Sometimes there's wise words in our youth uh, Taz and the idea that it it's not happening because of anything you did it's so out of your control that said it doesn't make it any easier right you don't know when no. things will pick it, up it, you don't know when the end comes and for someone like yourself I can only imagine how you feed off the crowd so there's the financial side of things but then there's not having any place to exhibit your art which is being a comedian you know Lauren that's that's it that's, that's exactly it it's it's the being a comic the money has always been secondary it's it's the bringing the laughter that's my you know that's my medication to myself that's what makes me feel worthwhile that's what gives me a sense of of belonging a sense of uh, being me and um there's there's none of that and and like like you said it was the uncertainty every summer is slow for uh, for uh, comics and the, the difference is that you get into a little bit of lull in the, in the summer. You're like, well, you know what? I'm going to take time off, play with Wee Beast, my boy, and my oldest fella. And, and, and then I know in September and October, November, December, that'll all take care of this lull. But there's nothing coming. So I'll just have to reinvent myself and, and do a lot of, I'm going to be doing a lot of Zoom, um, you know, Zoom style uh, comedy. I quite enjoy it, actually. Other people are going to hate me for saying that. But as long as I can hear or see somebody reacting, I'm okay. Uh, it's doing the, you know, people say, well, try Facebook Live. Well, there's no interaction. It, it'd be like myself talking to you and then not being able to hear your answers, correct? Right? So um, I guess my job in this world is, 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 is to do the best I can in the moment that I'm given. And I wasn't doing that for a while. So now, um, now I'm back in my own shoes and walking forward. And sometimes the forward line is straight and other times it's a big zigzag. So I'm doing what I can. Do you know any other performers who have just had to sort of walk away from their dream of being a performer just to, to oh, get many. a different job? Many, 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 many of the, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm probably, I'm not going to be talking out of school, so I won't say because I don't know if they want to, people to know, but there's some very world and, and for certainly Canadian famous uh, comedians that are uh, working, uh, working the jobs that they need to do. Uh, there's some working in kitchens and some are doing labor, other labor things, and some have stopped doing comedy altogether for quite a while and and uh that you know what i said this at the very beginning it's 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 i'm done feeding my ego and now it's about feeding my family right and it's it's a very humbling experience and uh i don't want anybody to feel sorry for me or anything like that i just want them to understand that uh when when uh when an entertainer uh says oh you know we, we can't do this and these are the reasons why and, and it's it's legit like it's um uh, 
Ryan Pandolfi, who is a, an organizer and Brandon that we use quite a bit, all his all his events are, are canceled. Uh, Al Pitch, uh, normally his phone is ringing off the uh, off the uh, wall. How old am I that I still have a phone on the wall? But uh, uh, his his phone would be ringing uh, constantly uh, this time of the year, and my my phone as well as an agent. But it's quiet. It's very quiet. And 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 you, you, we we were speaking. Um, to uh, other other agents and comedians right across North America, and it's the same. And you you were experiencing the same thing here on OB, where where you were talking to the restaurateurs and and uh, you know Silver Heights and those guys. Their their phones those phones are ringing to cancel, not ringing to book. And so I just want people to understand that yeah, it's your right to whatever you want to do, wear a mask or not wear a mask or not social distance. But remember that it's affecting everybody. It's not affecting. Your decision doesn't just affect you. I think it's. I think it's a very ignorant. Um, I think it's a very ignorant uh, decision if you decide not to social distance or if you go to multiple bars and affect multiple people. Um, and I also believe that the fines for that should be a lot more than you know four hundred bucks. It should be. It should be staggering and it should be enforced. We're in a. We're in a world where you know maybe I've lost my livelihood, but many people have lost their lives. Many people have taken their lives. Many people are so despondent that they, they, they decide that to, to, to take their lives because, you know, of, it's, it's, it's so overwhelming for so many people. And if there's nobody to reach out and talk to, um, you know, it becomes darker and darker and darker. Well, I, I have to say that one of the things that I've agreed with with President Trump uh, through this entire thing, through this pandemic, is the concern about those with mental illness and those that will find it overwhelming uh, either through job loss or, or a dramatic shift in their life or isolation uh, could be uh, very deadly for some people. And it just uh, breaks my heart to know that that's the case. we got to run here, Taz, but we cannot leave without uh, talking about uh, what you did last night uh, something that you've done 500 times now on facebook well you know what yesterday was um uh, my 500th book that i read to the, read to kids and march 18th i started with howard b wigglebottom learns about bullies thinking that it'll be only a couple of days of me reading before people get bored and last night was 196 days uh and the 500th book and uh the kids uh, of all ages have been uh Really supportive, and I talk openly about my struggles with dyslexia and my struggles with my my mental health and, and things. And and I kind of want to be the new Mr. Dress Up, the mo- new friendly giant. And that's uh, I've always wanted to be a children's entertainer. So you know, um, I grew I grew a beard like Fred Penner, and hopefully I can be uh, I can be that as well. <laughs> I know it's kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm very proud of the. Uh, the 500 books, and uh, which is probably the most I've read in my entire life. <laughs> I love it. And Taz, before we let you go, a listener has texted Kristen to say, I love him. I had the great privilege of attending his first show when rumors reopened. His blend of authenticity and humor was exactly what I needed. Winnipeg is so lucky to have a treasure like him. Well, that's awesome. It is. Thank you very much, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.